Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Panel podcast listener, to this, our back issue edition of our podcast. The back issue is where we like to take a single character, comic book, or story arc from the 70s, 80s, or 90s and dig in deep. I'm George, and with me as always today is John. Hey! And Jason is here. Hey, everybody. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about the man known as the dragon. No, 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 folks, not that dragon. This is a dragon who was found in a field of fire without any memory of who he is or where he's from. And Chicago is a city where the superhuman villains outnumber, outgun, and outpower the police. And the heroes are falling like flies. Can Lieutenant Frank Darling convince Dragon, perhaps the only person with the ability to stand up to the mutants, to join his police department? I can't wait to find out. (laughs) I know I did such an upbeat thing of that one. It was like sucking you in, wasn't it? All right. This book was brought to us by Jason. Before we start getting into our different creators and characters and stories and all that stuff, Jason, why the hell did you pick this comic book? That was a loaded question, wasn't it? Wow. Goodness. It's going to become evident later. Yes. Well, the the reason I picked it is because we, we like to, to pick stuff that that was sort of monumental at the time, you know, in the 70s, 80s and 90s and image comics was a big thing in the 90s. Oh sure. And today. Yeah, and today and Savage Dragon was uh one of the major characters that out of Image. I mean, probably at the time um he, he may have been number 2 or 3 after Spawn. Um yeah. Spawn was definitely mm-hmm. the Spawn's poster number boy. one for Image, yeah. Yeah, but you know, Savage Dragon was was pretty big and he he's got a cool look to him. So and you said I, this is number 3 for Image, you think? Like or, or like two, the number 3 level comic book property that they had when they first started. Got yeah. It. So did they Our have just two. the three books then? And this no, was the third no. one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had quite a few, the, the, you know, Wildcats and some other stuff. Uh, but I, I think Savage Dragon was probably number two. I just remember as a kid seeing a lot of Spawn and then Savage Dragon was kind of next one you kind of saw a lot about. And also the other reason I brought it is because after the last episode about the Phoenix, I figured we need to lighten stuff down a little bit and talk about something maybe a little bit easier that we can all digest. You <laughs> so, know, I love how you use that topic right there, that line, lighten stuff down because I don't know that this is possible to lighten up because (laughs) I think John and I might be of the same persuasion on our thoughts on this book, but we're going to get into all of that right after this. It's Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk from the Elastic Superhero Collection. I can beat that. You can tie them in a tangle and see how they unwrangle. You can stretch the legs and arms. It won't do any harm. Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. 
I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. We have firmly established that Jason is to blame for bringing this book... <laughs> to the back issue episode of Drawn and Paneled. But Jason, I'm interested in finding out who's responsible for bringing this book to you so I know who to blame. (laughs) Well, that would be Eric Larson, who was the writer, artist, and inker on this book. The triple threat. Yeah, he's just taking all kinds of credit for this man. (laughs) Credit? Is that that the word we're looking for? (laughs) Credit, blame, whatever you want to call it. I know a little bit about Eric Larson. This guy was born in 1962 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And his biggest claim to fame, aside from being the author of Savage Dragon, Mm -hmm. was that he was one of the original seven who founded Image Comics back in the 90s. Isn't that right, Jason? That is correct. There was some artists with Marvel, some big names like Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, a couple others that left uh, Marvel and started their own company with their kind of own studios and focused on the creator rights where, you know, everybody that created, you know, their property, they owned the right. Now, before we get too far... John, what does that yes. sound like to you? Because I know this has a relation to something you love. Hmm. People leaving a big company oh, over of course. creator rights. It, yeah, yeah. No, it sounds very much like the creation of Activision breaking away from Atari. Yeah, exactly. So Activision leaves Atari probably 10 years earlier than this, because I think that happened in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so this was the early 90s. It was the exact same type of thing. Now, these guys did have their names on the books. That was a standard thing in the comic book industry. Mm-hmm. But they but felt they weren't getting their due. They weren't getting their due. They felt like they were more slaves than owners. Mm-hmm. And they created some of these unbelievable storylines and properties that were driving Marvel sales through the roof during what was the height of the collector's market at the late 80s, right? And especially in the 90s as that whole boom happened. It was kind of like tech bubble happened in the 90s or so, but this was the comic book industry. People were just collecting, buying like 50 copies of uh, issue number one just because it was (laughs) an issue number one kind of stuff. (laughs) And these guys were at the forefront of that movement, this whole image books. And Eric Larson, being one of those guys, was a very important character and person in the whole 90s independent comic book movement that really, in my my opinion starts with image comics. You can't have an independent comic book scene, which we know and love here at drawn and paneled without image comics. At least I don't think so. Uh, yeah, no image was huge. It still is huge, but I mean, it was mm-hmm. massive in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Now this character though, that Eric Larson created, he created this character when he was a kid called it the dragon. It had a slightly different versioning and stuff. I know that. Right. And we'll get to talk a little bit about that as we get into the character segment. But can you imagine John, you're a little kid and you're drawing in your room 
Zoom, you know, as we often do at our little desks mm-hmm. with our pencils yep. and crayons and stuff. And you create this awesome superhero that you're going to. And then 20 <laughs> years later or so, 30 years later, <gasps> whatever it is, yeah. you get to turn it into a real life comic book that gets printed and people actually buy and read. What would that do for you? It would make me feel awesome. But also, if I drew that as a little kid and I got a job, I would throw that away and write a good character is what I probably <laughs> would do. And I would feel just as awesome. <laughs> well, now, Eric Larson did do some really influential writing. In the early 90s, he had a very long run and a very influential run on one of Jason's favorite series, Spider-Man. That's right. He was uh, involved in two uh, Spider-Man titles, and both of them he uh, was the artist on. He took over from Todd McFarland, his buddy from Image. Uh, Todd had a long run on Amazing Spider-Man, and then Eric uh, followed up. Uh, he's known for the way he drew Venom, and that's that if you ever see kind of a Venom with like that dislocated jaw saying uh, with a big tongue and saying brains, brains, that's Eric Larson. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah. before Venom really, because I know Venom as the standard black and white costume from Secret Wars issue number eight. That's the character that I started out with Venom. He's kind of the repurposing where Venom becomes this whole alien entity life form thing, right? Well, it it started with Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane was the first one that did it, but he was, you know, just kind of a big guy, big teeth and stuff like that. And then Eric Larson, you know, made it a little bit more gruesome looking, I suppose. Right. Well, and I've always maintained that Venom and Spawn have a lot of characteristics that are very similar. So, yeah, oh yes, absolutely. As far as drawing is concerned. Mm-hmm. Now, the odd thing is, Eric Larson still writes Savage Dragon and draws it to this day. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, what, 20 years later now? They're almost 30 years almost later. This 30 guy years. Is still He's still yeah. doing this character. So, John, no, he didn't put it away. He kept going with it. He, Do you think he was that's all in. Nobody else wants it or. Well, I mean, they're selling it, I guess. <laughs> or is it just they that it's his baby it, and he but, wouldn't give it up, right? I think it's his baby. He's obviously got a mythos around the character now that's kind of carrying its legacy onward. Mm-hmm. It's not Spawn. We're yeah. not going to say it is. It's not Walking Dead, which is the number one image title going right now. But oddly enough, Eric Larson isn't doing this all on his own, although he does have most of the credit titles under his name. <laughs> right. There were a couple of guys who did some coloring on this book. A Ruben Rude, best name ever, and Abel <laughs> Mountain or Moton. I, that might be French. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, do you know anything about either one of those guys, Jason? They both did a lot of work with Image Comics in the 90s. Ruben Rude's now a commercial artist. Uh, and Abel Moton, most of his work was on Savage Dragon, coloring a lot of those uh, issues. I, you know, I'm sensing a trend here that once people get on Savage Dragon, they don't <laughs> seem to be able to leave it. It's where they end up doing <laughs> most of their work. You're there for life. <laughs> I don't know if it's because they, you know, it's like being typecast as an actor. You know, you're always going to be that character, but. Well, and Larson pretty much owns it. So maybe once he finds a guy that does what he likes, he wants to keep him, right? Because it's his yeah, baby. Yeah, that could be. I mean, it is, you're right, right? We talked about that earlier. It's kind of his creation from childhood. So he's probably very protective of it. Well, he did bring on a letterer, which as we've talked about in the past, the letterers are the unsung heroes of the comic book world, especially from this era of comic book creation where everything was done manually mm-hmm. long before computers were really involved heavily. And in this case, it's Chris Elipolus, Elipopolis, Elopolis, Elopolis, Chris Elopolis. 
I'm going to guess. Chrysalopolis. <laughs> Jason, uh, I guess he's mostly just known for Savage Dragon. Is that right? He He's done other stuff, but yes, he is. he's a well-known uh, letterer, but mostly with Savage Dragon. And he lettered, hand-lettered the first 100 issues of the Savage Dragon series. Uh, it was, you know, was kind of during that time people were starting to do digital, but he, uh, at the request of Eric Larson, hand-lettered the first 100 oh. Oh, so, yeah. so he could have done digital lettering, but Eric said, no, I want hand lettering. And this is the guy he picked to do it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He wanted wow. his style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's important. I mean, you can tell, John, you, we've referenced it a couple of times now. This is a very you know near and dear to his heart type of property for, for Eric Larson. And obviously he wants the people he feels will you know put his vision forward in the best light. So you know, to do a hundred issues way. of manual. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo players now play your games and read them too. The best of the Nintendo comic system. Each hardcover book has 192 power-packed pages of Nintendo action. The best of the Super Mario Brothers stars the world-famous plumbers. The best of the Nintendo comic system features Game Boy, The Legend of Zelda, Punch-Out, and more. Only $19.95. Well, guys, this issue had a lot of very uh, exaggerated and colorful characters. <laughs> and uh, probably yeah. the, the, the top dog in that, our top dragon, would be Savage Dragon. Very diplomatic <laughs> yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I know nothing about Savage Dragon or The Dragon. So what is his name? Is his name The Dragon? Or is I it just think Mr. it's Mr. Dragon. Mr. Savage. And, yeah. You know, because he has, because, you know, he doesn't have any memory of who he is, I think they just gave him that name based on his appearance. Sure. Yeah. I know that the character evolved, you know, from when he was a, when Eric Larson created this, when he was a kid, because originally mm -hmm. the character like had a car that was designed after the speed racer Mach five car. Well, of course he yes. did. It was designed yeah. by an eight year old. <laughs> Naturally. Right. Exactly. You know, we, we, we all would have done that. Oh, I love speed racer. I want to draw his car, you know, and that kind of stuff. My first impressions of this character out of the gate is the beginning is if you took the Kraken from clash of the Titan and you took Wolverine, <laughs> And you, uh, and you <laughs> brundle flied them together like Jeff Goldblum and the fly. Wow. Yeah. What came out the other side would be the dragon. You know, I think that hits the nail on the head for me, honestly. <laughs> I hadn't put those two together, but damn if that's not accurate. Yes. I mean, yeah. and not and not the Kraken from the reimagined. No, no, no. The Clash original. Of the Titans, no. Clash of the, the Titans. The original. That's right. Yeah. The whole animatronic stop you motion. Got it. It's Kraken. that big Kraken oh. with the big frills coming out of the side of his neck. Look at Jason. Jason had to go, oh, he had, because he, he didn't look realize there was the a Clash. <laughs> he was like, there was a Clash of Titans before the 90s or 2000s? Yes, the good one. Yeah, I know what you speak of. It just took me a second. <laughs> to try to picture what that creature looked like from that movie. But yes. So it's like, release the dragon. There was a lot of interesting stuff in this character. I, but this is what's oddly enough here. So there, how many number one issues are there for a character? Well, that's hard to justify, right? There are tons of them. Mm -hmm. you got to reinvent. Depending upon the different books and the titles. And right, John, the reinventions. When a, you know, a property, a company decides that they're going to reinvent their entire universe, then they do Crisis on Infinite Earth, and then there's whole new uh, rebirth, new 52, all this kind of craziness. But in this case, there was a miniseries that they did for Savage Dragon, mm -hmm. a three issue miniseries. The number one issue that we read for this podcast was the number one issue of that miniseries. Yeah. Right after they did that miniseries, the very next year, they started what is now the proper run of Savage Dragon, which is still going on to this day. And that's actually labeled as volume two. Ah. 
this is labeled as volume one. So when you have those distinctions, it's very important to make sure that everybody understands what you're talking about. Because number one of volume two, I, I don't know, it might have been a more fleshed out story than what we got here. And maybe that's why this wasn't as fleshed out, because it was just a little quick primer miniseries. I wanted to be fair and kind of ask Jason, because this was the number one, which I'm assuming was the beginning of him in comic books. Did he like evolve later and became different than what we're seeing here or written differently or, uh, you know, because we're kind of digging on him a little bit. But I'm guessing there was a lot more to him or he would have been so popular. He did evolve. I mean, it's going on like we're in the 200s, I think, wow. right now on the you know the issues. And he did evolve. You know, he had a child. He, you know, uh, got I don't think he ever got married, but he's had several different relationships. He's gone through, you know, joined some different superhero teams. His child was a sleaze stack from Land of the Lost. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he yeah, he's he's definitely, you know, over 200 issues, had okay. some some changes. He's got a and, follow. He's got a following. And even on some of the more recent issues, um, you'll see that, I guess, Eric Larson has a certain political uh, sway. Uh, You see Savage Dragon fighting a monster that looks like um, Donald Trump sometimes. (laughs) So So, a a monster. Got it. (laughs) Obama Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Savage Dragon is the title character of this story. He's not the only character in the story. Probably somebody that's as closely related related to the series and the book as Dragon himself is, is his best friend, confidant, Lieutenant Frank Darling. Frank Darling is the man who tries to bring Dragon into the police force to help combat all the crazy superhero people that are just killing cops left and right. He's also the man that found him when he was an amnesiac in that field of fire mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why they have their relationship. John, you really enjoy a movie series, not necessarily the comic books, but I know the movie series of Hellboy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think the relationship between Frank Darlin and Dragon is very similar to the father and Hellboy sure, relationship yeah. that we see in that yeah, He's series. kind of a frenemy. Like he's looking out for him, but he's also right. messing with him <laughs> and kind of manipulating him right. yeah, at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair comparison. Jason, any insights into Frank Darling? Like, is does he continue down that mode? Do they have a reconciliation? I mean, they're not really at odds yet, but they don't know it. They kind of are. Right. You know, in this issue. Yeah. They continue on with their, their relationship. And um, just I, I just get hung up at this tough cop is named Darling. <laughs> <laughs> He's so manly, it doesn't yeah, matter. Right. I guess. He can pull yeah. it off. <laughs> now, there's another cop that's influential in this story, and that's Alex Wilde. She's this female cop who seems to care about the dragon. Maybe it's a romantic way, but she definitely shuts that shit down whenever he mentions sleeping with her halfway <laughs> through the book. But I liked her character because she seems to be helping him to try and cope with all the mental issues that he's going through, right? You know, he's got the amnesia. He doesn't know anything about himself, where he's from or anything. And all these bad things keep happening to him because, you know, of the job that he's taken now right. on the police force. And she seems to be more concerned with his emotional st- state and well-being than Frank Darling does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she does have concern for him. And they, you know, eventually uh, they have a, you know, a relationship. It doesn't last, but, you know, they end mm. up da- dating. Spoiler alert. Um, she's references his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> yeah. 30-year-old but- spoiler alert. There we go. <laughs> 
John, did you like the Alex Wilde character at all? You know, I didn't see enough of her to know whether I liked her or not. I found it yeah, kind of, kind of disturbing enough. that she was drawn so hypersexualized for a police officer. It, well, it was, was like everyone 90s, else so. looked like a cop and she looked like like a, a, a stripper trying to look like a cop in a spandex cop bodysuit. Well, was, that's kind of what the 90s big boobs, big muscles era I guess, was. But really. she's I mean, a cop. She's not a superhero. <laughs> I'm not trying to justify it, yeah. That's but that is exactly true to the era. Mm-hmm. Everything that was coming out at that time, you know, Wildcats, yeah. all these other things, they were all these over-exaggerated, there were no straight lines, it was all curves yeah. type of I mean, drawing. And I wasn't offended mm-hmm. or anything, but I'll look. It was just that I, I thought right. it, was, <laughs> it was odd. If you want me to take this character as a supportive character that's meaningful to the story and say, boom, boobs, butt. And I was like, well, there's more to the characters. Stop just overemphasizing that. That's what I thought. Well, and then they even threw it even further. Right, when he's like, let's you hop know, in the sack. He, well, did you yeah. want to <laughs> sleep with me? And, you know. So Not today. There's Maybe definitely later. some male chauvinistic <laughs> tones in this yeah. book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and there's there's a lot of other characters in here. There's the shrew that's kind of the at the beginning of the story. That's the one the dragon is fighting the most. Uh, you know, evil baddie kind of character. Yeah, weird rat creature. <laughs> well, and you know, we've seen those before in some of the other stuff that we've covered here on the podcast. Uh, you know, these subterranean creatures that kind of mm-hmm. feed into our fear of the unknown and the growth. And the scary. That was a named character. Didn't he just like eviscerate it at the end? Is it gone? Or I think of another one of his mini Save it for the story part. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't even catch a name because it was like, it was in the first three panels, like rah, 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 and your blood. So it surprised me it had a name. No, that's the shrew. Okay. That's the shrew. Yeah. Yeah. And then to top it all off, we've got at the very end of what may be the most abrupt ending in comic book history, (laughs) we've got Barbaric and Ricochet, which they present in the first panel as one character drawn. But then as soon as the fight happens, it's kind of like Master Blaster from road warrior where it's the little person on top of the big person and they split off and do all this fighting and right. anti-voltron they're both really proud of their legs and butts um if you <laughs> yes, notice they are. yeah they're they're wow. very proud of of those yes <laughs> Neither one of them skipped leg day. They definitely go to the gym on that no. day. No, they did not skip leg <laughs> Do you day. Do even squat? <laughs> Hell yeah. I think I see in those characters, in those just those few panels that we see of them at the very end of the book, I, I think we see a deeper character than maybe any of the other characters that we were presented with in the story other than Dragon himself. They seem to have the most to offer later on in the storylines. I don't know if they ever get developed or not, but I was most intrigued by them. Oh yeah, they, they do. They end up uh, getting married and having a child. So. Those two have a child? <laughs> they have a child. Wow. She's barely as big as his leg. How is that possible? I, Easy let's now. not think Easy of now. comic book science. <laughs> From the pages of the hit comic book Spawn, bring the action home with the Spawn Dreamhouse playset from McFarland Toys. Go Spawn! All right, so we've got one book to talk about today, so let's dive into the story. John, before we talk about anything else, I know there's something you've been wanting to talk about a little bit, so I'm going to let you start. Yeah, so I, I took notes as I was reading this. I didn't at first. The first goofy name that I read, somebody kind of dropped in a, in a dialogue bubble. I'm like, that's kind of goofy. And then another one came and another one came. So here's the list I came up with of immature, okay. like I'm an eight-year-old and I'm like, okay, I need a name for a monster and it's, you know, super monster or something, right? So here, here are the names. Skullface, Vicious Circle, <laughs> Super Freaks, 
Johnny Nitro, <laughs> Mighty Man, and my favorite, allegedly his true identity that was kind of thrown away in one bubble, Rodney Schwartzblatt. <laughs> like, seriously? These are the names. Were these placeholders until you came up with a good name? This is going to be a guy with a skull face. Just put him called skull face for now. Oh, we never went back and changed it. You know, it's yeah, like, right? really? these are the names. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it- <laughs> There was some there were some questionable choices made with the characters, the dialogue, oh. pretty much all parts of this book. I, I knew that was an issue for you. I wanted you to have a chance to talk a little bit about it because I didn't disagree with you on that topic. As far as the story is concerned, though, it is odd in that it's one of the few times I've seen in comic books where the origin of a character is told from two different people's perspective. That usually doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Usually it's a third person perspective because the character is being born or it's that character's perspective because they're remembering something. But in this case, you have both Dragon's perspective and Frank Darling's perspective, which is really weird. And and they each just get one page. Um, Mm -hmm. Just a piece of it. Yeah. 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 Pieces, pieces of it. Um, I actually, I kind of liked that part. I mean, it's one of the few things I did like about the story, but it I, right. I, I kind of <laughs> like that. It, it let us uh, meander with the rest of the plot, but at least we got some focus early on. <laughs> I thought it was yep. nice. And like yeah. I said, being weird, I didn't mean weird in a negative way. Weird right, in right. that it was unique in the comic book mm-hmm, universe. Right, yeah. I'm trying to rack my brain of how many times I've seen that, and I can probably count it on one hand. Yeah. And then the, the interesting thing about a uh, Savage Dragon, which kind of spurs from his origin, is that he he just has some tough luck and seems to be suffering from depression. He's just a kind of a sad sack prone to rage. He he comes a little bit off as a masochist, mm-hmm. doesn't he? He does. Yeah. I mean, he's depressed. He's looking for bar fights. I mean, you know, he seems to want the worst for himself. I don't know if that's because he never wants to face the fact that, you know, he doesn't remember anything about his own backstory. You know, it's just, I woke up in a field of fire and there was Frank mm-hmm. Darling, you know, and, but he definitely is one thing I wanted to note a little bit. So this book came out in 92 Mm -hmm. was when the first miniseries came out. Uh, Very shortly there before was Sin City, which also came out right around the same time era. Mm -hmm. And boy, there's a couple of pages in this book that look right out of Sin City and Frank Miller. I mean, there's this one page where you've got Dragon's face, you know, prominent in the whole panel. And then there's just these little thought bubbles as he's talking about stuff. And that looks exactly like Marv from Sin City. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit like Like the the angular art. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it may only be on a page or two here and there, but... I wonder if they weren't looking at each other's artwork during that era and, you know, playing off of each other somehow or not. But I thought it was important to bring up because, they, you know, there's not a lot to talk about in this book that we enjoyed. But I did enjoy that panel. I'll tell you another thing that I really enjoyed. Jason mentioned uh, how Dragon is suffering depression. You mentioned the art style. There are a couple of pages in this book that I know we're we're kind of being flip and kind of digging on it a lot. But there was some redeeming stuff. I really enjoyed when he was being very introspective. And you had these full page uh, kind of art piece with no speech bubbles, but there was speech kind of scattered along throughout the page that were his thoughts that were kind of scattered. And he was kind of right. kind of thinking and retrospecting and thinking about his past or what he knows or what's happening to him. Mm-hmm. And I thought those were creative. 
it seemed it was a nice way of visually representing that these are like thoughts, you know, bouncing around in his head. They didn't exist inside of bubbles, but they were instead of this darkness on the page. I thought that was a creative yeah, way to get that because, across. Yeah, especially because, you know, his memory is faulty as it is, right? So mm-hmm. the fact that it's not structuralized, that it's just like you say, bouncing all around mm-hmm. the page and everything. That's I think that's a nice, subtle way of trying to convey that to the audience. And it's got some the book obviously has found an audience. It's what you say? John, Jason, it's like in issue number two or three hundred at this yeah, it's point. Yeah, it's in the like the mid two hundreds, I believe, or early two hundred somewhere, and somewhere in there. Yeah, so yeah, it's just got so audience. John understands what that means. These books only come out once a month, so that's two hundred months. Yeah. So that's that four this years book or has so. been published. Yeah. That's uh, that's a little bit more than <laughs> yeah. four years mm. by my math. Well, yeah, yeah, Fifty two okay. weeks in a year, right? No months. Oh, months. Dude. Oh, I was weeks. weeks. I'm months. sorry. That's no. that's a foresight more than a couple of years. <laughs> yes. yes. Gotcha. I'm like, so, okay. Wow. We got to figure out the math so, on this one because it. as far as I know, that's more than yes, four years. Gotcha. But yeah. So, <laughs> and you know, of course there's some months that they skip because they do special issues or mm-hmm. annuals oh, yeah. or things okay. like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're up into issue number 200 of a monthly run magazine, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's I mean, you've been impressive. around for a while. And, you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier, Jason. This guy, he he just wants to fight. He's so angry. We talked about him being depressed, but there's also some anger behind that as well. He's wanting to fight anybody at any time. It's like he lives for that. Maybe that's part of the dragon character that he can't remember. Uh, yes. He, he picks a fight in the bar with a villain that comes up and he's just snapping <laughs> at everybody and just right. hey, I, that that's probably the, the savage part of <laughs> the title. Perhaps but yeah. The most he's, convoluted he's, way to blow fire at somebody I've ever seen happen in anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and from a yes, dragon, exactly. right? He's yes. actually goading him and saying that you can't even breathe fire. And he's mm-hmm. holding up a lit cigarette lighter. <laughs> so, yeah. right. so he plays the circus fire breather out, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, you know, obviously, I think that the creator had to throw that in there because somebody at some point was going to say, his can name's Dragon, fire? why can't yeah, he no. breathe fire? Sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he said, let me just take that off the table in issue number one right away. You know, and when he's getting into these fights, too, I just, we talked about these crazy names. There is mm-hmm. such, for me anyway, you tell me, maybe this is normally comic books, I felt there was an overuse of the big giant fighty words. The the oh, sock pow. Bam, bang. pow. Yeah. And if, if I may quote a few, I'm going to read from my oh, list. Oh gosh, pow, here we go. Smack with two Ks. Hawak, smack, runk, thack, bonk, pow, choom, and cuckathoom. Also in the list of the <laughs> top, perhaps Maybe of a hundred, I picked the top 10. Yeah, it just, they seem so yeah. overused. I'm like, I get it. It made Adam West's Batman look like Christopher Nolan's Batman in seriousness. You know, <laughs> it was just, I'm like, so much. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was a saturation of that. And maybe that plays into that eight year old creationist yeah. mentality. You know, when he was creating this, this was 63. Right? You right. know, you're talking about Adam West, <laughs> you know, Batman. So that was right in the framework of when he would have watched Batman yeah. back in the day. It, right. Is it too well, much? Is it John, a amount? Did you pick up on that or am I just imagining things? It was too much. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, but I, I think, though, you needed it because you wouldn't get the effect of his punch without the hayuk. You know, <laughs> just, it, that's it the problem, drives it I guess. <laughs> There are times when we watch a movie and we're like, okay, 
you've done too much CGI. Right. This, yeah. Right? This is too much CGI. Right. You this are. is yeah. a similar yeah. feeling. It, it seems in like that same when way. I see those things, I'm like, I know you need some of it, but if the art could convey the force, you wouldn't need the sound drawn out. You know Not what I mean? as much. I, right. I, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. It's one of those things where less is more and sometimes more makes yeah. it less. Yep. And I think that's yep. what happened here. There is still a couple of other topics that I want to talk a little bit about on the story before we get out of here. This vicious circle, right? This is this organization that's one of the gangs there in Chicago that seemed to be blackmailing Frank Darling because while we haven't talked about it yet, Frank Darling, he was trying to talk Dragon onto the force. Dragon didn't want to go. He was working for Frank Darling's like mm-hmm. uncle or niece or nephew yeah, just or somebody, like a, some relative. Just a labor right. job, just a little thing. He yeah. was a cop right. at first. And right. Frank Darling arranged for one of these gangs to go over and do something bad to that guy and it ended up getting him yeah. killed. And so the mistake. dragon, of course, he got angry and he said, I'm going to join the police force. But then the vicious circle learn about how this happened. And so they start blackmailing Frank Darling and saying, well, as long as you keep dragon out of our illegal activities, we'll let everything go. We won't tell anybody. But as soon as he goes after us, we're telling him to be none too happy to find out what Darling did. So, of course, yeah, he's got no, to breathe backwards. fire on him. Well, I as think, long as somebody holds up the light, <laughs> then he can. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I kind of like that, you know, that element of the story. I wish we'd have seen a little bit more of it because we don't actually see the vicious circle in the book. We're just being told about them by Frank Darling. And yes. I, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of them. Maybe they show up in issues two and three. I don't know because I didn't read those yet, but it was I would have liked to have seen more. We do see that, you know, we just get the sense that that Chicago seems like a war zone. And I'm guessing it's because, oh, yeah. of the you know, it's almost feels like, a you know, like Judge Dredd. Um, or some of these or post- Robocop. Robocop or something, you know, it had that feel to it as this, even though it takes place in present day, uh, it's, yeah, just a, a total war zone run by these uh, vicious circle folks. I got the impression that Rick James John- was everywhere because he said it's full of super freaks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, John, you mentioned earlier when we were talking yeah. about characters, the shrew. And I wanted to get your impressions on what may be the shortest biggie battle in comic book history. I didn't pick up on the fact that that was a named. I, th- I thought, oh, he's just fighting a giant rat. You know, it's like, take that shredder. Right. I'm just going to kill you. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't even catch that it was a name. And, I, and as soon as he was totally just gutted, I'm like, oh, clearly that was just some fodder to show the dragon was a badass. Mm-hmm. And I was stunned when you told me that, oh, that's a character that yeah. you would know. Yeah. Like, really? And, you know, I don't know. Does that character ever come back in the lore of Savage Dragon <laughs> I, later on, Jason? I don't, no, how I, would it? I don't see how. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the comic book world. Anything is possible. We just did an hour on Dark Phoenix. Next issue, so Dark Shrew. Right. Any character can come back. <laughs> Dark Shrew, yeah. <laughs> Unless there's a cosmic shrew that'll bring him back to life. I don't, I why, don't know. Why wouldn't there uh, you be know? Eric Larson? This- mm-hmm. <laughs> right. This is eight this is eight-year-old Eric Larson. Anything is possible. Maybe Dark Shrew's force comes in a Mach 5 car. Yes. And there's a big bubble that says scree as it parks on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> in the making. Spectacular widescreen animation was an original story that will shock and surprise you. It opens everywhere Friday, August 8th. Transformers the movie. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. 
And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Panel podcast. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, a little final business to take care of. The last question of the podcast. Oh, it's pop quiz time It again. is pop Damn quiz it. time. Is this a book <laughs> that A, you enjoy, and B, would want to read more issues of? John, starting with you. <laughs> What a loaded couple of questions. Did I? It's one question with two parts. I want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed talking about it with you guys. I did not enjoy the book at all. Would I continue to read it? No, I would not continue to read it. It was it was too goofy for me. It was there. there, It was just silly, immature feeling. Is not for me at all. Sorry, Jason. Uh, Yeah, I uh, I was hoping I would enjoy it more. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I know I've read some savage dragon in the past and seemed to like it and i actually have a uh, i bought a box of unopened uh, savage dragon cards and those were fun to look oh, at Oh, really yes uh you know me and my comic book cards uh but you love your comic i book do cards. i do love my comic book cards but yeah no i i didn't super enjoy this issue but i'd be willing to delve a little bit more um you know when when the whim catches me uh, to, to read maybe a little bit you. more. Yeah. I look at this book like a fine ribeye steak. It's sitting in front of me. It's prepared to the perfect temperature of medium rare. It's got a baked potato on the side. Oh, and here we some go. asshole oh my God. takes a big bottle of A1 sauce and pours over the top well, of that it. That would make I it worthwhile. That's perfect. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think this book could have done some wonderful stuff. I'm I'm curious to know if future issues got better. So I think I will not necessarily this miniseries volume one read any more of it, but I think I will read some of the volume two stuff just to kind of see where the character developed because I don't know why it feels bubblegum, eight-year-old kind of comic book pop type thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of interested in that sometimes because we read such you know heavy stories nowadays from the mm-hmm. independent scene. There's so very dramatic and very poignant and make you like there are times when I've cried reading some of these independent comic well, but books but you're a pansy too so I am a pansy yeah I don't like A1 sauce I get that <laughs> you can't but- you can't handle the A1 <laughs> <laughs> But I think I want to find out where this character goes and see if they develop into something further. For our podcast listeners out there, maybe you love Savage Dragon or maybe you've never heard of it. We'd be interested to find out what you think of it. Jason, I'd like you to put a show note in there for them because this book is actually free on Google Book. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. So they can go out there and read it anytime. It's worth every penny. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, speaking of pennies, that's all it costs to become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. And I'm talking to you, Slow Mo, Corey, T2, Dana, Agile, Marcus, Stubaka, Wills, Thomas, Jessica, and mm. Stian. Thank you so much for collecting those pennies every oh, month, wow. turning them into at yeah. least a dollar, some of them more, <laughs> yeah, jumping them, on patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up and sending it our way. It's what keeps us doing what we're doing, not just from the financial standpoint of being able to pay for the services we use to record the podcast or different things like that, but just from an emotional standpoint. Every time I think the well is running a little dry, I think, you know, there's these there's group of people out there us, believe in us. Give me money mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's even better than a paycheck at yep. a job. 
because they believe in what I'm and, doing. It's like I it's created so something with you guys. Yep. And mm-hmm. yeah, I I can't thank you guys enough for sure. Yes, thank you. And one other thing we would like you guys to do. I know, Jason, we've talked a little bit about this in other episodes and in probably the beginning of this episode. You've said that you would really like to hear from our podcast listeners to suggest back issues for us to cover here on the Back Issue Podcast. So that's anything from the 70s, 80s, or 90s. Any character, story arc, or single issue. We really love single issues because it's easy for us to read. <laughs> yes, with a lot of word effects, too, like yes. in this issue. Yeah. Yes. Pow, a lot smack, of Batman smack, words, smack, right? Batman smack, words. Smack, <laughs> and you can send us those suggestions at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. Gentlemen, had a lot of fun slaying the dragon today with you. (laughs) John, thank you so much for being here. Rodney Schwartzblatt signing off. (laughs) Jason, always appreciate you. Hayuk, thank you. (laughs) Podcast listener, we appreciate you most of all, and we will see you guys next time. See everybody later. Bye-bye now. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.